Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for episode here at Precious Predicament Blog Talk Radio. So I first want to thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me and waking me up this morning. I'm trying to go on Facebook Live at the same time, but apparently it won't let me do this. So I'm going to have to leave that alone. So today's topic is one of those topics I always say they're very controversial. And you have to excuse me because I cannot talk today because I have literally lost my voice. So I am going to do the very best I can to speak without hollering. So today's topic has to do with domestic violence. Now, many of you may not know, but the month of October is actually Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And in some countries and other places, they view domestic violence a little bit different from the way we may view it in the United States, which is why this is a topic that brings a lot of attention and needs a lot of awareness. So let me log on the person that's going to help with this show today, because she just told me she on. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? You know what, Addie? My voice is really shot. So today okay. I'm going to have to talk with my little sexy whisper voice because this is an interesting <laughs> topic that we're talking about. As we're talking about domestic violence, and I would tell you, my voice is shot as a form of domestic violence because a lot of individuals are not aware, even today, as to what constitutes domestic violence. And it's really mm. sad, especially when we're talking about a relationship. Now, domestic mm-hmm. violence affects individuals from all walks of life because just like COVID, domestic violence is something that does not discriminate. It don't care how much money you make. It don't care what color you are. It don't care your um, status. It don't care who you is. But it can also mm-hmm. lead to death. And after mm-hmm. death, There have been about 3.3 million children who also have witnessed domestic violence. And, Addie, that's another Mm -hmm. reason why it's so important because of individuals that not only experience domestic violence that that are in toxic relationships, but for those individuals that have witnessed domestic violence. So, Addie, just a listener to who you are. Yes. My name is Addie Velasquez, and um, I am the CEO of Connecting Bridges Together. I've been doing um, domestic violence groups for perpetrators as well as victims for a little over 20 years. Um, I also work uh, with the state rehabilitation program um, with their domestic violence um, program as well. Um, and have the privilege of being able to have worked with school districts, social services, um, the disability through um, UCI. So I have mm-hmm. a, a heavy-duty background, um, and I've had the privilege of working with substance abuse as well. So um, mm-hmm. the dynamics of abuse, uh, whether it be domestic violence or addiction, um, they go hand in hand, and mm-hmm. I believe that um, that this topic is essential um, because what we say and what we do, do are not matching our behavior Correct. today. Correct. You know what is interesting? And, Victoria, I see you on here, and you need to call in because I have a young lady that's on my Facebook Live that just clicked on, and it's interesting mm-hmm. because my mother – used to date her brother. And when we talk about domestic violence, that was how I learned of domestic violence. That was how, as a kid, because I witnessed domestic violence. And, you know, even today, I don't know if my um, nieces and nephews are going to call in, my god nephews, but there was an incident where there was a homicide, suicide, where my godbrother was a perpetrator, and it was like mutual combat from time to time, but that also led to death. 
And see, a lot of individuals don't realize when they're in unhealthy, toxic relationships, they are, you know, and people say for different reasons. So we're going to talk about not only the perpetrators, but also the victims of domestic violence mm-hmm. and the children. Because a lot of times individuals feel that there's no way out. They're afraid. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Family members don't know what to do. And that's why there's organizations like mine, which is the Center for the Treatment of Addiction, NJA Precious, and yours, Addie, which is Connecting Bridges mm-hmm. Together, where we are a part mm-hmm. of a community system to provide resources to help individuals to put a stop to this, as well as mm-hmm. bring forth an awareness. Now, mm-hmm. let's talk about this a little bit, because i got so many gadgets going on, and I'm trying not to to talk loud, because, like I said, i got my little tea sitting right here, because I had to give me some tea and some honey, because my voice mm-hmm. is horrible. But I, I was saying earlier, Addie, that a lot of times when we talk about, Lord Jesus, this phone, this phone, this phone, it's like they wait until I get ready to go on the radio before they want to call. But, um... Mm-hmm. What I was seeing earlier is a lot of times we talk about domestic violence, we think of intimate partner relationships, you know, but it can be mm-hmm. the same sex relationship. Um, we see it sometimes even mm-hmm. with our seniors, which we can talk about a little bit because mm-hmm. that's really um, devastating too, not only for children that witness mm-hmm. domestic violence, but for individuals that have parents that are senior citizens and are experiencing domestic violence. Are witnessing domestic mm-hmm. violence, but um, but what mm-hmm. I was going to say is, a lot of times when we talk about domestic violence, it it, it does involve intimate partner, but there are some cases where we're looking at family members because what makes it are considered domestic is the relationship, and I was saying mm-hmm. that you know we know with child abuse when individuals are under the age of eighteen. But we have situations where we have adult mother, daughter, father, son, siblings that are adults that can get into a physical altercation, verbal altercation, and that's still considered domestic violence, Addie. And people are not even aware of that when it comes to their family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, you know so- I think that. I think that you hit it pretty much um, on the nail about, you know, domestic violence being a a universal um, Mm -hmm. uh, situation. Um, Not only those individuals that you just talked about, but also, you know, your children with parents. Mm -hmm. You know, it's becoming more and more abusive where you have, adult children um, in an abusive situation. I know we think about elder abuse and we think of those natures, but it's, it really ties into domestic violence um, in the sense that, you know, we are, the, the verbiage that we're using, the abusive verbiage that many of us do not see as domestic violence, the emotional abuse, the psychological abuse that comes with it, uh-huh. we don't see that as domestic violence, we we always tend to say, "Well, I don't hit her, I don't yep. touch him, I don't yep. do that." You know, it, it it we immediately go to the physical, and we always mm-hmm. think of the perpetrator hurting the victim, but we never talk about how sometimes victims turn perpetrators, and perpetrators at some point were victims, and it's a vicious cycle, just like what domestic violence is. And that is what we need to educate um, the, our community about, is the behaviors that we continuously do that keep us trapped in that cycle, uh-huh. which passes on to generation to generation. You know, Addie, just um, over the weekend, my mother's, if she was alive, would have celebrated her, um, I think it was 70. 73rd, I believe, birthday, and it was 72nd or 73rd, I don't remember right now, but I got together with my sisters, I had my uncle over, my nieces, my nephews were in town, and we just did a celebration of my birth, of my mother's birthday, Lord, all hell, Mm. 
They've got the arguments, mm. calling each other names. My sister started getting into it with her her children. It was crazy. It was mm. so crazy. Mm. My cousin was trying to break up fights. And I'm just like, mm. when is this going to end? Now, I can't talk mm. as loud as my siblings, even though it seemed like I would or I could, but I really don't have a, a really loud voice. But just being mm-hmm. there and trying to talk, and I'm fussing at my son, telling my son to stay out of it, you know, and, and that was just family. And while we were down at our house fussing and fighting and all of that, right down the street from me, they were doing the same thing. And that was one thing mm-hmm. I wanted to do was to live like that. I was like, somebody got to break the cycle. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues. And when we start talking about domestic violence or family violence or other abuse in the domestic setting, such as marriage, living together, mm-hmm. domestic violence is mm-hmm. often what they call synonym for the intimate partner violence, which is committed by mm-hmm. a spouse or partner or an intimate, uh, in an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, in this broadest right. sense, domestic violence involves violence also against children, parents, or the elderly. Mm-hmm. And it takes on a number of forms. And we were talking about that. We spoke on it a little bit, which is the physical, hitting, kicking, punching. Mm-hmm. We also have the verbal, the name calling, putting people down. Now, girl, my mother was notorious mm-hmm. for calling people names. It was horrible. And the emotional, mm-hmm. which goes with the physical and the verbal. The economic, that's something that in elders we kind of underreport, which a lot of it gets underreported. But the economic abuse, mm-hmm. religious abuse, religion, reproductive mm-hmm. and sexual mm-hmm. abuse. And it can range mm-hmm. from something even as far as going into marital rape. Because some individuals don't yes. realize even when you marry, no means no. And also we can touch on this right. a little bit, Addie, teen domestic violence. Because that is mm-hmm. where if it's happening yeah, you know. now and your children are witnessing it and they think that it's normal, mm-hmm. they can either become mm-hmm. victims of domestic violence themselves or become perpetrators. Because I know I did. By me witnessing mm-hmm. domestic violence, I was aggressive. I was mm-hmm. hell on wheels when I was a teenager growing up. Mm-hmm. If I had a boyfriend talking about putting his mm-hmm. hands on me, I'd have been a shot him. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> he did yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. speak on mm-hmm. that a little bit, um, Addie, because like I said, we think that a lot of it has to just do with physical, but the verbal and the emotional causes a lot more damage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, um, starting out with the emotional and the psychological, I think, you know, you really did describe um, the abuse that, you know, we may have seen in our home Mm-hmm. Um, and the role modeling that we saw um, from the intimate relationships that we um, were exposed to, whether it was our parents or our grandparents or our caregivers, um, we started to see what that vision um, of that love looked like. And yeah. so we became um, what we started to see as normalizing abusive behaviors. And a simple um, conversation after the abuse when you're a young child to see either partner, you know, being abused and, you know, crying or being upset or being frustrated um, and then hearing the adult tell children, you know, it's okay, don't worry, you know, daddy, daddy loves me or mommy loves me, mm-hmm. you know, we started to implant that vision that that is what love looks like. Um, yes. And so, you know, we start to believe in our small young minds that, That's how it works. Oh, okay. So, you know, they're mean and and they fight and they hit. um, But at the end of the day, okay, you know, it's, you know, you just brush it off and you move on. And so it's, it's been years and years of imprinting these kinds of behaviors as normal. So this is where we learn what relationships look like. So, you know, again, it's, it's to move from, 
you know, the abusive relationships, but it's also to move away from the victim mentality of our childhood. So we have a chance to change our behaviors and rewire Mm -hmm. ourselves to that change and Uh to recreate our story rather than to allow our story to define who we are or what Uh we want to be um, in future relationships. Mm -hmm. But you know, Eddie, what you just said was very powerful because a lot of times as individuals witness those things because I know, like I said with myself, I grew up in a female predominant family. And I know that when my grandmother and her sisters, I know they was a mess because I remember my grandmother and one of her sisters and some of the things that they would do, and they would roll on folks. It means like if you did something to one of them, you might as well fight the whole family because they was coming. Sisters, brothers, they did not discriminate and they didn't care who you were. And by me witnessing that, my sisters witnessing that, and then our kids seeing that kind of stuff, they didn't know that it, that kind of stuff wasn't normal. And I know my daughter is watching me on Facebook Live, so hi, Letitia, because she was one that brought it to my attention also because I noticed that with her, Whenever stuff gets hot in my family, my daughter leaves. She'd be like, I'm out of here. You know, and then I try to be mm-hmm. the, the negotiator, the mediator, which is, like I said, which is why I'm hoarse. But the problem is it needs to stop. And even from mm-hmm. a law enforcement perspective, that is one of the dangerous calls for police officers to go to. It's one when there's domestic violence. Because it's mm-hmm. a, they call it like a crime of passion. Individuals are mm-hmm. um, emotionally charged. They don't want their family member to go to jail, but they don't know how to de-escalate the situation. And drugs and mm-hmm. alcohol plays a part in most cases. Mm-hmm. And also, Addie, mental health. When you're dealing oh, with absolutely. someone and there's a mental health issue, that can mm-hmm. also play a part and be a factor when we're talking about domestic violence. And I also want people to know that, like I said, it's not only women that are victims. Men can be victims, too. And they don't mm-hmm. And we need to yeah. end I think, Yeah, I, I totally agree with the, the mental health part. You know, we have a lot of um, individuals with, you know, you know, mental health issues from depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. bipolar, you know, mm-hmm. keep going on. The the bottom line is, is that, you, like you said, is de-escalating. And, and that is really key is to get to the point where you're going to be raw honest with yourself mm-hmm. and who you are, not who defined who you are, not who told you that this was acceptable behavior, Correct. not the normalizing, but actually the honesty of who are you and how do I behave and how do I react and getting to know yourself and mm-hmm. understanding your shortcomings and understanding how your emotions control you and to really be able to go, okay, I need to think of it as my thought and then my body sensation is going to equal out my emotion. And to me, that's key because I can stop myself. I can give myself that pause button, that quick pause to go, okay, what am I really upset about? What am I really feeling right now that I want it to stop so bad that I'm willing to put myself in danger to escalate this situation rather than to de-escalate. It's almost like we're looking for that sensory to feel good. That is the wrong direction. We want to go walk down the hill rather than to try so desperately to get to the top. And so when you do that and you're able to recognize what is that emotional difficulty that I'm having to be Mm -hmm. able to connect with myself and say, wait a minute, I'm really hurt and disappointed, and I don't know how to process that. I don't know how to process frustration. Mm -hmm. So the only way that I know how to do it is to kill off the feeling, and the only way I can do that is by escalating this to the point where 
somebody's going to do something where it's going to stop because someone's going to get angry enough to go all the way and put this over the top, or they're going to walk away, run, hit the you know road, or or, or just leave the situation in itself. Got so you. for 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 the individual to really come to terms with who you are and how you function. I think mm-hmm. that's key to understanding how to start to de-escalate certain situations because those persons that you keep having the same inter- count, the same interaction with, the same behaviors, they're not going to change. Not right Correct. now. Can and you? you know yes. But right this very second, no, because they don't think they have a problem. You cannot make a problem find a solution when the problem doesn't exist in that person's mind. So you have to look at where the mentality is in order to try to problem solve. You have to start out with somebody who has the mentality to be Mm -hmm. able to even admit that they have a problem and you can't give what they don't have. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I wanted to say, I know my daughter just said something about sound is very choppy and she can't hear. So I don't know if she's talking about how she can't hear on the Facebook Live or if she's also logged onto the show because I'll be having problems with my mic. But, you know, I want to say mm-hmm. this. A lot of times, Addie, when individuals are so caught up in their feelings and their emotions, it's very difficult to mm-hmm. think. And that's why it's very important mm-hmm. to take a time out. A lot of times what I've seen in um, domestic incidents and when I was looking and getting the research together and they viewed domestic violence appropriate in some countries if a woman was caught, let's say, having an affair. And a lot of times that was when you would see these things where they would come in and somebody been cheating and you all upset, you want to fight them, you want to hurt them, but you really don't want to leave them. And that don't make a lot of sense. But I want to say that even with the incident that I occurred and happened over the weekend, I got to give my son credit because normally my son be getting on my last nerve, and he and I be the one that be about to really ready to I be ready to knock his head off. But he was trying to de escalate it, and when my nephew put him on the spot and what it was about to go out there, my son's whole demeanor, his whole drunkness just disappeared. It was just so funny watching that transformation. I couldn't do nothing but laugh. But it, and it wasn't funny. But the thing is, there is a thing that hurt people hurt people. And I want to share something in regards to the emotional abuse for those that are out there even on Facebook. Because a lot of times we think, well, I didn't put my hands on them. But we don't pay any attention to the words that we say, the words we say to our children. Because emotional abuse or what we call psychological abuse is a pattern of behavior that threatens, intimidates, dehumanize, and undermines one's self-worth. Now, when we start talking about their self-worth, that's what we do. We beat them down with words. And emotional abuse includes minimizing threats, isolation, public humiliation. Because we got those, Eddie, that will get you out in public and try to embarrass the hell out of you. Uh, Relenting criticism. Constant personal devaluing, repeated stonewalling and gaslighting, and even stalking is a common form of psychological intimidation. And a lot of times people don't realize that. So we got to be careful when we put our mouth on people and some of the things that we say about individuals. Now, I'm going to go off of Facebook Live because I'm holding on to this little stand and it's driving me nuts. But if you want to call in on the show, if you have any questions for Addie or myself, because we're going to be providing information in regards to victims as well as perpetrators, talking about um, shelters and resources that are available. Um, Addie, we can give individuals the number to the um, National Domestic Violence Hotline number because individuals need somebody to talk to. And when you're Mm -hmm. talking about breaking up a, a fight, People have to be careful. I just heard recently where there was a bystander that was witnessing domestic violence. I forgot what state it was in. But this guy was at a store, and he tried to break up a fight, and he got killed. So you got to be careful mm. when you mm. jump into somebody else's fight, too. So mm-hmm. be mindful of that. So let me get up. Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay. All right, Eddie. Yes. Um, 
You know, I think that um, I think all, all that you said was was extremely um, important. And um, you know, the National Domestic Violence Hotline um, for those that need it is one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. You know, I think it's it's um, very important to be able to have that. Um, and also, you know, your your local um, hotlines, um, your local shelters. Um, and it's true, there, it's not just men, it's women. I mean, it's not just women, it's men as well. Um, but going back to the emotional part, I think that if you call in and you are very specific about what it is that, you know, you, you're dealing with on a daily basis, um, we can give you some, some you know, some information that might be helpful to you in your current situation. Um, I think that many of us understand um, what is domestic violence, what may be domestic violence, not really sure what domestic violence is. But the bottom line is when a relationship hurts, when you're putting more effort into the relationship and the outcome is still not healthy. And when I talk about healthy, when, when you're losing respect, when you're being physical, when you're throwing things, when your children are afraid of their own home and the inside, not worried about what's outside, but what's worried about what's going on inside. When people are hiding under a bed or going to their room or they're disconnecting, there's abuse there. Um, mm-hmm. When you're not happy, when you're going through a painful depression, when mm-hmm. you're disconnecting from your reality of life and finding pleasure on, you know, on social media where you're so disconnected or you're creating a whole life on a social media platform that doesn't co- coincide with what's really going on, that is where you need to make some severe connections with the honesty, the reality of what you have in front of you, and ask yourself, am I putting more time into this unhealthy relationship, and am I continuously having this false hope that things are going to get better? Because that's why people stay in unhealthy relationships. That's why we keep fighting, because we think this is it. This will be the the the, the catalyst of all fight. They'll they'll really see how much they hurt me. They'll really see how much I behave inappropriately. And this time they're going to say, oh, man, I'm really going to stop. I'm really going to change. I'm really – that is everybody's want, everybody's direction, but how to get there, it just doesn't happen naturally. It's not Correct. something that we're in tune with because it's not our norm. Our norm Correct. is to do hit the fight or flight button, and either depending on which one you're used to doing is the way we're going to continue to behave in these kinds of relationships. We get better, and things mm-hmm. start to get better, but one, either we, one of us starts to get better and the other one starts to deteriorate, or we both deteriorate and we don't even see what's in front of us. Correct. Those are the things that we need to start talking about is, you know, the raw honesty of what we have in our life right now. What is going on in our life right now that is dangerous, destructive, Mm -hmm. disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Those three Ds, let's start talking about those. That's the start. Mm -hmm. That's at least moving into the right direction to get that healthy relationship but everybody deserves. Everybody deserves to be to have that healthy relationship. Well, Annie, I want to say one of the things you were talking about is we go through cycles of abuse. It's the tension mm-hmm. building, and with the mm-hmm. tension building, and I want to say that domestic violence is normally the highest when there's been a job loss, when there's financial issues, when there's a pregnancy. When there's a death in the family, when there's a celebration in the family, 
is normally the time mm-hmm. that you see a high number of domestic violence. They've said and research have shown that even during like Super Bowl games or um, boxing matches, big boxing matches, is where you see people because people are all into their feelings and their emotions. And part of that is we don't know how to regulate our emotions. So you get the tension building mm-hmm. and then you get the battering. And the battering, like we said, mm-hmm. it could be physical, it could be verbal, it could be all of that. And then we get the honeymoon period. And during the honeymoon mm-hmm. period, not people think, oh, they're never going to do it again. They start bargaining. Oh, I love you. And then individuals mm-hmm. have that hope. And they hope it don't happen again. But then we also got to stop minimizing and we got to stop blaming. Because some individuals just don't know any better. And you know, Addie, and you know, you and I, we both do the 52-week matters and eviction program. And I want to say, right. because a lot of times when individuals are court-ordered to those programs, either through criminal court because they have been arrested, or through family court because there's been allegations, or sometimes CPS can get involved, because children witnessing domestic violence, the parents can be charged with child endangerment. And individuals mm-hmm. are not aware of that. They make it seem like, well, the kids wasn't there or the kids will sleep. Or when, it, when there's kids involved, and especially young kids, CPS will get involved. And if individuals mm-hmm. have been functioning like that for so long, Eddie, it is so hard to change that behavior. So hard. Because a lot of times they don't even realize what they're doing wrong. They're used to right. it, but we got to find mm-hmm. a better way in order to problem solve and resolve conflicts. We have to. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, um, you're absolutely right. I've, I've heard time and time, you know, well, you know, the kids weren't in the room. They were in their room. And anybody that's ever experienced any kind of violence, any kind of argument where it scared you enough to, to make yourself pretend you're sleeping and be as quiet as you possibly can, um, you know, children become extremely hypervigilant. And mm-hmm. it starts to show more and more in school, um, in toddlers, um, you know, with the them uh, being extremely unable to um, do any kind of, um, you know, self-control, not being able to self-soothe. You know, Mm -hmm. those are things that are long-term effects, you know, with uh, children that have been exposed to domestic violence. Um, And the more and more that we be aware, and that way at least, you know, People say, well, I didn't know. Well, yeah, okay. So that's, that's true. We, we, we don't grow up with, you know, unfortunately um, being able to give these courses, um, which I yeah. think is extremely important to do from, you know, junior high to high school. Um, but to be able to expose um, what is the process of mm-hmm. the outcome of, you know, daily exposure or even one-time exposure to a very traumatic event. And not only that, Addie, I would say teaching people what love is because a lot of people don't know. And you brought up something that was interesting, and I mentioned it earlier in regards to children, and it indicates, like I said earlier, that 3.3 million children witness domestic violence each year in the United States. And there's been an increase in the acknowledgement that that a child who is exposed to domestic violence during their upbringing will suffer developmental and psychological damage. And a lot of times individuals don't realize that even if the child experiences through it in vitro, meaning while the mother is pregnant, that can become a problem. Mm -hmm. Because I know with my Mm -hmm. children, they never saw me, you know, fight or anything like that. But I know when I was pregnant with my son, I was enduring a lot of stress. And then my son later up, he grew up and was a nervous wreck even from birth. But then he, as a teen, became a victim of domestic violence and then became a perpetrator of domestic violence and then got in trouble with family as far as domestic violence. And that's why when it came to my situation with my um, nephew, I found it to be interesting that he didn't get involved 
or just started leaving it alone because he was like, look, I was already on probation for strangling one nephew. I'm not getting in trouble again. Okay, we have another, we have a caller mm-hmm. on the line. Let me log this person on. Okay. Hey, 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 what's up, girls? Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Now we're twenty. We got twenty five minutes left on the show. And again, if uh, you want to call in, you can give us a call at five one six three eight seven one nine one four. Okay, wait, baby, give me a minute, and I'll let you speak. Now, because okay. of the awareness of domestic violence that some children have to face, is generally impacts on how the child, like I said, develops emotionally, socially behaviorally as well as cognitively. And that doesn't mean that parents are trying to hurt their children. The problem is does have an impact. So we need to make sure that we address that because when we start talking about depression, anxiety, emotional insecurity, and mental health disorders can also follow due to a traumatic experience because it also changed how they view the world. So, what do you want to say in regards to the topic we're talking about today? Is my mic working? No, that's you. What do you want to ask shows? We hear you, way busy. What do you want to add to the shows we're talking about this? Because, Addie, we didn't mention PTSD, but a lot of the things that I just talked about leads to PTSD, including um, for the victim, the perpetrator, as well as the child. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what is your question, sir? Oh, I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't are you talking to me? Yeah. Okay. You know, I can't no, I just, I, Yeah, I just want. I just want to. I just kind of want to reiterate a little bit on what you're saying. What you're. What you're talking about, because I think it's very important that people understand what's being said, you know, what you're saying, you know, and I, I kind of understand what you're saying, you know, when, 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 when we get uh, conflicting lessons, I'm just using this as an example, um, a conflicting lesson that a parent or children, these conflicting lessons. And so those are traumas. Okay. Those are traumas because conflicting lessons suck, you know, because then somebody else in your adult life has to go back in there and jackhammer all the conflicting lessons up. Now, when they do that, they're going back to the first time that it happened, which was the trauma time. But now that they're going back after a long time has passed and after some counseling, they were able to have uh, a whole bunch of different ways that they feel about it. So when they go back, they, get, they, have, they have options to how they feel about what happened back here, which was the original trauma. Now, I think that there's an art to the rehabilitation process. And so I agree that that if we're going to pay attention and we're going to do the right thing in America today and we're going to start in our communities because this is a community outreach program and it's a it's it's a Christ based uh, program because of the fact that Christ has made everything unto himself holy, because if he's going to do a work, he had to make it happen this way so that there was nothing in the way. So that we okay. don't have to argue and fight. Okay, but, we would think that but, I'm gonna stop you. I'm stop you right now. I'm stop right now. We're busy. When we talk about a community problem, it is a community problem. It starts when we're talking about bullying. We see bullying behavior. We see it in politics. We think it's about power. And you know, Addie, we were taught, and even the way they got the Baptist Intervention Program, because he was talking about the rehabilitation. We're gonna go into that a little bit because I know we don't have a lot of time left. But we start talking about even the bullying behavior. Sometimes kids that are bullies, they have experienced and witnessed some form of domestic violence that it's okay. And they think it's about power and control in some cases. And there's a lot of factors that play a role in that. Now, in regards to an art, yes, it does. It is an art in order to help individuals in regards to the perpetrators as well as the victims. Because a lot of times the victims don't see themselves as victims, or the victims can also be a victim and a perpetrator. Now, I know, Addie, from my experience working with men, I, I enjoy working with the men because the men, in some cases, are willing to be open-minded and want to change once they realize that they've done something wrong. Now, sometimes they may think it wasn't as bad or they feel justified, but after a while in that one-year program, they kind of get a sense of things. 
Women, from my experience, and you can share your experience, Addie, women, from my experience, a lot of times they deal with a lot of anger because they are upset that the male called the police. Even if he don't press charges, the state can pick up and take and press charges and still prosecute the case. And a lot of times I find that they're angry versus want to take accountability for their behavior. What has been your perspective that on that added because from a community-based program trying to provide assistance well i think that either you know male or female everybody has a story and everybody has a way of of perceiving or or seeing or or understanding or um, analyzing their situation but going back to um the 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 um the man, uh, the your your question, sir, um, about it being an art. Um, we could start by just giving a simple tool, and that's most of the time when I see male female, they come in with the idea that you see the your current situation or your relationship or your past or your future, but everything is always through the a people are the size of a people. I think that if you just, if we all just took a step back and we allowed ourselves to open our door and be able to have that panoramic view of what we have in front of us, we can start making different choices. Does it take time? Does it take understanding? It takes that and it takes a lot of loving yourself Uh And giving yourself that positive self-esteem. There's two types of self-esteem I see both in men and women. And one of the self-esteems that continuously seem to be wrapped up in domestic violence is the self-esteem that includes the need for the ego and the need for the approval of the outside world, of the person who is abusive to them. That is that negative self-esteem that continuously causes individuals sometimes to spiral out of control based on those emotions that they are not um, understanding how to process the the self esteem that i that we want to give the community the awareness of today is that self esteem has one ingredient to be able to see that panoramic view and that ingredient is self respect and when mm-hmm. you can start having that kind of self esteem in yourself that's how we do the art the art becomes within ourselves we yep. get to paint that picture. We get to provide the art. If I don't like the story in my life, I have the decision to change those chapters in that story. I get to change the beginning, the middle, or the end, or I get to rewrite my story all over again. And that is where we need to take that victim mentality and turn it and channel it like we do our anger into something positive because anger is a natural emotion. It's not all bad. It's how we're channeling it. And so if we can start just with baby steps, just with allowing ourselves to understand that mm-hmm. I'm not a bad person. I just choose to make poor choices in my life sometimes would give me these negative consequences. Correct. Life is always going to give us negative or positive consequences depending on the action that we take in our life. And it is an art. And we will learn as we educate our community, we will learn together how mm-hmm. we can change this cycle of domestic violence. You know what I like what you said, Addie? You were talking about self-respect. Because a lot of times jealousy plays a role in it, and that fear plays mm-hmm. a role in it, and the ego, because they think they got it all together, and they're afraid to lose the person that they have. Or what I hear a lot is we've been together for so long and all these years. and No, you can't keep going backwards. And you also have to learn how to forgive. Forgive yourself, forgive the other person, and some cases be able to move on. Because sometimes the relationship is so toxic, people don't even realize you may not have had no business with that person in the first place. 
So sometimes we try to well, think we're into a circle. Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard to 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 do the forgiving um, when we don't know the art of letting go. So that's True. why I really enjoyed the comment that um, you said, sir, um, was yeah. ha- the art of it, you know, the techniques, you know, the know-how. Yeah. And I think right. that when we have forms like this, it gives us those opportunities. Um, right. what, do you, what do you see as, you know, the art form? Um, how do you see it, you know, transpiring? Uh. Yeah, that's a good question, and that's, I'm glad you asked that because that's important. That's an integral part mm-hmm. of this whole picture, you know. Um, <clears throat> obviously, there's there's a lot of problems with 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 people that um, are immature. You know, they're they're adolescent. You know, and they're in the way they do things. You know, and they're they don't they don't they don't respect the practice that we have. They profane it by their adolescence, mm-hmm. you know, their behavior, which is an mm-hmm. improper use, which is an improper use. So um, I feel not responsible because of looking back, I could see that I was a part of that problem at one time. Um, but mm-hmm. being who I am today, which was uh, somebody that was able to rise above the problems and become a, a problem solver. Uh, had put me in a different level than where I was at before. I'm at a higher level now, so I speak different. Um, and a lot of times I find myself uh, speaking over people's heads, if you will, and it not being effective. And I, I have to catch myself because there's work that needs to be done and I need to pay attention. So sometimes I have to bring my credentials and come down lower where people are. Mm-hmm. And 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 mm-hmm. allow that relationship to take place. Now, most people I run into, even when they're coming to me, they're not really opening themselves up. This is a called an illusion. This is a false sense of themselves. So I have to deal with this part of who they are, and hopefully not for a long time because of my words, mm-hmm. which which mm-hmm. make it possible for them to see what I'm saying. And since I know how it works, right? when they're not reflecting mm-hmm. what I'm projecting, it, it, it lets me know they don't feel me. So now I have a, now mm-hmm. I have something to do, right? Otherwise I wouldn't have anything to do if they didn't, if I wasn't showing that, look, they don't understand. Okay. okay. So yeah. what I have, what I have is understanding. So it's a responsibility and my feelings is what I was mm-hmm. getting down to is that my feelings do get powerful like yours and everybody else's. So they are important. Feelings are definitely important, but if you ever want to get underneath your feelings, where where you are, what you think, what you say, and what you do, a lot of times you're going to find people um, within themselves have things that they love and don't love, and it gets tangled up. It gets gotcha. tangled up in a okay, knot. Let me, so, let, me, let, me, let me stop. When we get to our feelings, because domestic violence, and when we're talking about when individuals feelings, how they feel, how they think, how they, it all plays a role. Now I know we got 12 minutes left on the show, but I do want to share this information, and it's coming from HelpGuide.org. And because um, I like focusing and not focusing, but providing information because a lot of times individuals don't realize that there are help, there's help available, Addy. And I'm learning that, and you know, you've been in the business for a while. I've been in the business for over almost 20 years and 15 years with the Center for the Treatment of Addiction doing a domestic violence group. And one of the things that I saw was the lack of resources for men. And I always felt that if we can help our men, if we can help our women, and we, if we teach get better role models, Individuals can learn to respect themselves because they can identify with someone or something. Mm-hmm. Now, this information mm-hmm. provides help for men who are being abused. Learn how to recognize domestic violence against men and get help, the help you need to escape an abusive relationship. Now, we know that domestic mm-hmm. violence against men, they're not alone. And a lot of times men, like I said, they are afraid to say something. I know even when my son, my son was stabbed two times by a woman when he was only 18 years old. And he did not want to tell me he was in an abusive relationship. My mother brought it to my attention because I thought that would never happen to my child. Now, in an abusive partner, they may kick, they may hit, they may bite, they may punch, they may Bit, they may throw things, destroy your possession, and a lot of times men think, oh, it's okay, she'll get over it, she's just mad, or they're trying to make up for the differences in your strength. 
They may attack you while you're asleep or otherwise catch you by surprise. They may also use a weapon mm-hmm. such as a gun, a knife to strike you. So when we start talking about, and we have to also educate men and women, but you, we got to make sure we, we let them know that if your spouse or partner verbally abuse you, belittle you, humiliate you in front of friends, colleagues, families, or on social media, that's a problem. If they're possessive, act jealous, harass you, accuse you of being unfaithful when you're not, it's a problem. Take away your keys or medication. Try to control where you go, who you see. Try to control how you spend money or deliberately default any on joint financial obligations. They can make false allegations about you to your friends, employers, or the police, or find other ways to manipulate and isolate you, threaten to leave you, and prevent you from seeing your kids if you report the abuse, then that's a problem. And also, um, Addie, when we're talking about um, not only men, but men that are in same-sex relationships, as well as females in same-sex relationships, that is also a problem, and they don't tell. Part of it is they feel ashamed. Their religious beliefs can dictate the way for them to stay. They can lack the resources to to leave. And also, if they're in a same-sex relationship and haven't come out, they're afraid and they can be in denial. But I want individuals to know that you have to protect yourself and you have to admit that they're a problem. And if you are dealing with an abusive partner, leave if possible. Never retaliate. You can get evidence of the abuse. Keep a mobile phone, evidence of the abuse, and other documents close at hand. Obtain advice from domestic violence programs, which is the program, um, like I said, the one that myself or with Addie, or contact the domestic violence abuse um, hotline. Now, Addie, one of the things that I wanted to say in regards to this, even with the men, a lot of times people don't like living in shelters, but let's speak a little bit about restraining orders. Because a lot of times individuals don't even know how to obtain a restraining order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, you know, when you get to the point where you are, you know, asking for a restraining order, obviously, you know, being having things well documented and um, having pictures, um, being able to have a timeline of when you are um, in a, 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 an abusive relationship is very important um, so that you can have this documentation, obviously, for the court. Um, there's, uh, you know, things that need to be provided um, as you do so. But when you do get a restraining order, you know, restraining orders are for your protection because you feel your life is being threatened. It is essential that we utilize these restraining orders as that, a very serious, powerful tool um, of the law that protects us when we fear for our life, whether it's a man or a woman. Um, I think it's very important that people realize that, you know, restraining orders are not to be used lightly, nor are they to be used as a form of a weapon, um, because that too is abusive. And so we want to make sure that we utilize these restraining orders for the purpose of what they are intended to do, and that is to protect you because you fear for your life. And Mm -hmm. for those that have the contact orders or the peaceful contacts, remember, peaceful contact means you are not to disturb that other individual's peace. And so there's a very fine line. So restraining orders are serious um, tools um, of the law to use to protect the victim. And so I, I really want to emphasize on um, how essential these um, orders are and how important it is that we do not use them to um, continue the abusive behaviors right. by you know what, taking Eddie? in. You yes. know what I'm Say, Eddie, that's important because a lot of times people will abuse the restraining order. So you don't want to use it mm-hmm. as a form of manipulation, nor do you want to use no. it as a, um, not only just a weapon, but because sometimes they get it, they'll get it, 
and then they know that they have the protective order, and then they would call the the, the person that they said was the perpetrator, and then the violate the the restraining order gets violated. Because even if you obtain mm-hmm. a a restraining order, even in family court, and they give you an order, it can be violated and turn into a criminal case based on a violation of restraining order. And also, Addie, if you, mm-hmm. I always tell individuals, if you have peaceful contact, keep that piece of paper with you. Because when the police pull mm-hmm. you over and they see that the victim and the perpetrator are together, the police don't know if you are in danger or not. So also don't endanger them. So we got to be mindful of some of these things because people are there to protect you, but we also have to play, we all play a part. We have to be responsible. So I want to make sure we put that out to Addie. Absolutely. And again, you know, Jeanette and I, we're not attorneys. um, So, you know, if you need legal advice, you know, make sure you contact, you know, the lawyers um, or the, you know, Bar Association to get a referral, but um, we are definitely not attorneys um, speaking just from uh, experience of what we've seen, um, or at least for myself, uh, what I have experienced with individuals with um, restraining orders um, and things that um, have transpired with clients in the past. So again, we're not lawyers, but uh, definitely if you need legal advice, you know, seek the attention of an attorney. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like I said, because some individuals will go to family court, they'll try to get, they'll get custody of the child. And as they go on through these things and they bring up the allegations of domestic violence in family court, they don't have to prove it. But they can still order one to do the services. But then the restraining order is still there. So make sure mm-hmm. you're very mindful of that. Very mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Now, in regards to, and we brought up the fact that, like I said, um, the National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we talked about it being in October, whether well, it is observed in October, and many individuals, that's where they try to provide information to the community. And because of COVID, we weren't able to put a lot of information out there, Addie. But I'm looking at mm-hmm. something, and it talks about the National Day Calendar.com because they got everything. Uh, a celebration or a day of, and they indicate that the U.S. Department of Justice estimates that 1.3 million women and 835,000 men are victims of physical violence by a partner every year. And every nine mm-hmm. seconds, a woman in the U.S. is beaten or assaulted by a current or ex-significant other. And one in four men mm-hmm. are victims of some form of physical violence by intimate partner. And also, like I said, we got the family violence that occur also. We talked about how mm-hmm. it destroys your self-esteem. We talked about the cycles of abuse. We also talked about mm-hmm. how it can sometimes lead, lead to homicide. But how do you observe when we start talking about domestic violence? Make sure you utilize your resources. Like I said, Addie put the number mm-hmm. out there Domestic Violence Hotline. Can you repeat that again, Addie? Sure, sure. Um, I also want um, people to be aware that, you know, calling 211 also, you can get any resource that you might need. Um, so that it's in Orange County as, as well as um, uh, Riverside County. Um, so that the, they're a great resource, you know, to have um, to be able to um, you know, ask for um, any kind of resources um, on domestic violence as well, and you know, other other resources that you may need in your in your community. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's really important that you know we do give any kind of resource during these difficult times um, with what's going on right now. So the number is one eight hundred. Seven nine nine seven two three three. That's one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. Mhm. You know, Addie, I'm looking. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some information, and it's called WomenInDistress.org, and they're an organization online, and they have a lot of events coming up too. And on Thursday, mm-hmm. October the twenty second, Bank of America Domestic Violence Awareness Day. And but this is in Florida, and they're going to have a 
they're going to rise the, the purple um, sign and awareness of domestic violence where individuals can take selfies. They also have a drive-by um, trick-or-treat donation drive with cleat for calls, and that's going to be on Halloween. So there's a lot of different things that they have going on. The Internet is also, not alone with this 211, is a very valuable resource. Um, Addie, we didn't get a chance in Orange County talking about um, Laura's house where individuals, if they're mm-hmm. victims, they can attend personal empowerment classes to learn how to mm-hmm. basically not be a victim anymore. So there is help mm-hmm. out there. There's resources. You don't have to feel ashamed. We do need to end the violence. We do need to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. We do need to end the silence. And we can only do this mm-hmm. by bringing forth a sense of awareness and holding individuals accountable, but not punishing people for the rest of their lives. Because I always say, when you know better, you do better. And if you are a mm. victim of domestic violence, please get some help. You know, they had this thing, mm-hmm. I never forget that, and it was about, I got my flowers, I got my flowers. And it was showing something about every time this man would punch a woman in the face, he would bring her flowers or would bring her flowers. Then he finally had to bring flowers to her funeral or send flowers. So don't let that lead you to death. And do not, do not feel you have to retaliate. Because I always tell individuals, you know, if that person is sick and if that person needs some help, you can't help him or her. Sometimes the only help that they can understand is you got to leave them alone because they're not worth you going to jail behind for the rest of your life. I have a um a classmate now that is in Vegas, and I saw something in regards the other day on Facebook where they're trying to put up some kind of fund for her legal defense where she stabbed her husband to death in Vegas, and she, um, you know, an insurance agent, she had a really good job, nice home, all of that, grew up, father was a pastor. Now she is looking at jail time, ain't been in jail for about two or three years now, fighting a case because her husband spit on her and called her all kind of names, but she was a victim of domestic violence for years. So they also have the um battered what is it the battered woman syndrome, and then there was another one I'm trying to think of the name because I met this lady Addie when I went to a conference in L.A. She was one that I believe the story was part of the battered woman syndrome because it was um it was, I think it was her case I had the opportunity to meet her where she had served mm-hmm. 25 years of killing her husband and she had been a victim of domestic violence. So we have to do better. Now, we have pretty much mm-hmm. out of time. What do you think you want the listeners to know? And, Eddie, how can they find you? Um, uh, if you would like to contact me, you can call uh, 949-595-0602 or 949-742-4641. Um, we're located in Lake Forest and in Lake Elsinore, uh, California. Um, we would be happy to um, give you any kind of resources, information, classes, groups. Um, we are here to provide um, the need that the community needs, um, and we're here because we love what we do, and we love that we are able to provide um, information, inspiration, um, positive hope, and change, and again, together, we can do just about anything that you can put your mind to. We all have the ability to change, and we all are worthy, and we are enough. I should. Well, Addie, I want to thank you for joining me at the last minute. I appreciate you. you. And um, any topic you you want to talk about, because we got a whole lot to do, especially in Orange County, and um, and we can't get it done. But like I said, we have to stop the bullying behavior. We have to, you know, get to our kids, our teens, our youth, our seniors, and bring a sense and bring forth an awareness and let them know that you are important and you matter too. Because no one should have to endure this type of abuse, stress. It's it's just something really neat, def, definitely needs to be done. And I appreciate the work that you yeah. also do in the community and have been doing. Okay? So Thank you to your callers, too. Appreciate that. 
<laughs> no problem. I didn't get a chance to look at the Facebook thing to see if any of the other questions. I really didn't. I got so much to do. I've been gone for a whole week. So I got to get back in the groove with it. So again, thank you for joining okay. us. Thank you, You're welcome. And until tomorrow, don't know what I'm going to talk about because my voice is shot. So until next week, <laughs> tomorrow, remember, I know I'm, I'm sipping on my tea, Addie. I forgot to stop by the store and give me some throat lozenges, but I got to stop talking so loud. So I got to raise. Well, have a great day. Thank you again. I will, and you do the same. And remember, again, thank you for joining here as Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.